Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 4, Episode 3, The Harsh Light of Day. Got a couple of old faces, old friendly faces in this episode. Very old. <laughs> Super old. Uh, I want to do a little shout out to our Faith on Trial episode that came out to us. It came out last week, but we recorded it a couple weeks ago, um, but it's doing really well and everybody seems to really be enjoying it and inspired by it. And I think that's really great. And I also really enjoyed Kathy on trial, which we recorded last week. We got to do more of these on trial episodes they are way more fun than they well, ought to be. Apparently on the discord, we've been requested to switch our format to a true crime format. <laughs> that's such a good idea. <laughs> this week on Sunnydale Report. Yeah. And we just kind of cover the victims of all the people that die in Sunnydale. That'd actually be such a good idea. How'd you like this episode? This is a great episode. I mean, you've got Spike, you've got Harmony, like so many, you know, familiar faces, like you were saying, coming back. Um, and then I think this episode has a very poignant commentary on the ways in which men mistreat women and then make women think it's their fault. Yeah. Lots of gaslighting manipulation happening in this episode, for sure. There, there were parts of this episode that were difficult for me to watch because I have seen elements of that in action in not my relationships thankfully but in relationships that my friends have been in and i want to say that it's very well done i mean knowing what we know now about joss whedon maybe there's a reason it's very well done and true to life (laughs) i went there It, it i think it this is an episode that really does a good job of walking the line between humorous in many ways there there are elements of humor to it but also it has a very serious message and in that sense i think it is superior to the episode from season two you're gonna have to help me out with the name the one with pete and debbie beauty and the beast yeah that was season three at the very beginning it feels like a season two that episode. Epi- yes it does and that episode you're right it's season three because angel's back <laughs> um that episode to me it had that kind of theme of standing up to an abuser. But it, as we discussed at the time, it felt so heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this episode strikes a much better balance, not just because of the humor that's in there, but the characters themselves have matured. You know, I think there's some really good conversations, especially between Buffy and Willow. There is a lot to recommend about this episode. I mean, it's also about our main characters instead of like two random people like it was in Beauty and the Beasts. So brings it home a little bit better. So let's start off, okay? Because where we start off is the bronze. And I was like, oh my God, we're at the bronze. I know we were at the bronze in the freshman. But when I think about it, we weren't at the bronze very much at all in the last half of season three. 
Like it feels like they weren't hanging mm-hmm. out yeah. <laughs> as much. Uh, so here we are. They've traveled the five miles to get to the bronze. <laughs> I'm assuming Oz drove them because his band is Apparently playing. There's no bars on campus that serve underage people. Or <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, it's so funny because I, I brought that up l- later in my notes. But I was like, <laughs> is there nowhere on campus that these guys can hang out? Uh, because we know Oz's band plays on campus. Yet later, we also see a band, a famous band, playing at a college party. party. Yeah. So Again, why not just use the bronze set? I, I have many questions about this episode as well, which yeah. I will bring up from time to time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing. But anyway, we're at the bronze. Uh, who's there? Willow and Buffy are watching Oz play. And Willow points out that Parker is there. Remember Parker? From last episode. I do remember Parker. Unlike Scott Hope, Parker is quite memorable, especially because of this episode. Yeah, and also because he flirted with Kathy, that cad. (laughs) So he's uh, looking cute and green, says Willow. And uh, he's playing pool behind their table. And Buffy has been watching him in the corner mirror. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Security mirror. I don't know what that is. Well, you could, yeah. Like, I think security mirror is good. It's a convex mirror, right? So it's designed (laughs) to give you a wider angle view, but we don't have to get into the technicalities of optics in this episode, Steph. No, we don't, unless we really want to. Uh, But yeah, so Buffy's been watching him, obviously. And Willow says, well, Buffy, you spent all week with him, so you can look at him directly. And Buffy says, not all week. We hung out moderately incessantly, but we're not here together tonight. I don't want to crowd him. And Buffy, I want you to know that that's a red flag. I think it's a red flag if you're kind of seeing somebody hanging out with them all week. And even if it's not official or anything, they should come and say hi to you when you're at the bar or when you see them out. Like to purposely avoid you, I think is really immature. So I don't know. Parker, that's your first red flag of the the episode for me. They could have just called this episode a sea of red flags. Yeah, I would have actually loved that. Uh, So Oz finishes his set and he comes over. And Willow is filling him in on the Buffy and Parker situation. And she's saying that Parker has a reflection. So there's a big plus there. (laughs) And Buffy's having lusty wrong feelings, says Willow. And Buffy's like, no, I'm not. And Willow's like, no, you're not. And Buffy's like, no, I am. (laughs) And Willow says, there's no wrong feelings because there's nothing wrong. You're free. You're both grownups. You are free, right? And Buffy just looks at her. And so... One thing I caught on to this episode was that a lot of the dialogue, the girl talk between Buffy and Willow, which you and I have done nothing but praise since day one of this podcast, the escalation of it from the last time they had a giant conversation about sex, which was in season two, surprise, right before Buffy and Angel did it. Remember in that conversation, Buffy was like, you know, acting on want could be bad and like, ooh, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm also excited. Well, I think that a little maturity has happened now, a little more life experience. Well, a lot more life experience for sure. And it doesn't really feel like that to them anymore. There's nothing wrong about it. That's what Willow's saying. She's like, wait a second. No, we're adults. We can, you can have sex. Like you, you can want him. You can want him all you want. It's not weird anymore because they're in college now. And that is such a reality. Like when you have more experience, you start viewing that experience and you start viewing these acts differently. And with a more mature spin. And I like that. I like that. I just saw the progression. Yeah, I I saw it in this episode too. And especially as we go through the episode, there are some other conversations, including between Buffy and Willow. And I agree with you. Like there's there's an element of maturity to what they're talking about and the way they talk about it. And it is noticeable. And I like that because we're finally seeing Buffy growing up, right? Mm. She isn't a an inexperienced teenage girl who's head over heels in love with this cute but mysterious boy who 
enjoys dinner in a bag once in a while. Like, <laughs> and is great at Instagram. You know, his, yeah, his foodstagram account. But <laughs> no, like Buffy's acting in this episode in a way that is very much like young adult in college making my own independent decisions. And she has come such a long way from season one or even season two Buffy. Yeah, it's 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 really nice and refreshing to see and, and totally realistic. And I also think this is really interesting because Willow's checking in, like checking on the pulse of Buffy and Angel's relationship because Angel left at the end of last season. We all know that. They're not together anymore, but he has been the biggest part of her life up until now. And her entire love life has been about Angel. So now that Buffy's finally looking at another guy, a human guy, someone who's not Scott Hope, which was like over a year ago. Who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So, so for Buffy to be like, well, you are free, right? Like you are looking forward to this like new development. Sure, maybe Parker's a little bit of a rebound, but that's okay. And I think it's interesting that Willow brought it up in this subtle way. So anyway, Parker comes up to Buffy finally to say that he's heading out and he's like, it's not safe around here. And can I walk you back to your dorm room? And Buffy's like, oh, how silly of me not to plan ahead. And <laughs> outside, Willow is helping Oz and Mitch, aka Devin, the lead singer of the band, uh, pack up their van. And Devin is talking about how they're going to go to LA soon for a gig. That's when Harmony approaches. Remember Harmony? Harmony from Sunnydale High? Of course High. I remember Harmony. Isn't she dead? I don't know, because last time we saw her, she was getting bit, but here she is. So she approaches Willow. She's like, hi. And <laughs> Harmony's like, I haven't seen you since graduation. Big snake, huh? <laughs> and Willow's like, how's your summer vacation? And Harmony says she was going to go to France, but she didn't. And she was dying to see the stores. And Willow's like, and museums. And Harmony's really confused by that. Willow kind is kind of like, oh, you know, just... A rumor that I heard and Willow and, and Harmony says, you're so funny, Willow. You haven't changed a bit. And Willow's like, no, you either. And Harmony says, oh, maybe a little. And then she morphs into a vampire and bites her. This is a really dramatic opening. Like, you know, the return of Harmony. We weren't expecting that. And the reveal that she's a vampire, the way it ends on this cliffhanger. Yeah. We know Buffy's out of play. So... Yeah, like this is just a really cool opening. What's going to happen next? As we cut away from the credits, Oz has pulled Harmony off of Willow and he holds up a cross and Willow's bleeding from the neck. It's like she actually got bit. And Harmony is like, okay, fine, hide behind your boyfriend. But guess what? I have a boyfriend too. He's going to be mad that you were mean to me. And she runs away. Who could Harmony's boyfriend be? <laughs> I don't know. But like, the reason I like this episode is because of Harmony. It's just a really nice reveal that she's now undead. But she will see throughout the episode that she's the same. <laughs> she, she's... The same in some ways, but different in others. This is something I really paid atten attention to. Yeah. I'm really glad that she's back, like you said, because I like that in this episode, they finally give Mercedes McNabb a chance to actually, like, use some of her range. Because when she was just Harmony, the high school student, she was just your standard stereotypical mean girl, right? She mm -hmm. was there to make fun of people, be dumb. to bully people, bully Cordelia, be dumb, right? Like, yeah, she was the dumb blonde. And it's true that she retains those aspects of her personality, but there is a sadness to her. There is a wistfulness to her. You know, everything that she's going through with the abuse from her boyfriend that allows her to really kind of like show us a side of harmony that we didn't get to see before. And I always like it when these actors in smaller roles um, have a chance to sort of expand 
the way their role is played in the, mm-hmm. the series. Well said. So Buffy and Parker are walking to campus. And I said it earlier, campus is five miles away. <laughs> so why are they walking? Um, I assume that Oz drove them there. Like, obviously, Parker should have gotten a ride back with Buffy and Willow, but whatever. What's even odder is that Parker's asking Buffy what her hobbies are. And I was like, haven't you guys been hanging out all week? This subject should have been covered days ago. (laughs) These are amateur conversationalists. So Parker notices that there's a scar on Buffy's neck. uh, And that obviously is from when Angel and Buffy had their sex biting marathon. I thought we weren't going to mention that anymore, (laughs) Seth. When they had their hot pseudo sex scene. You don't have to repeat it. I heard it the first time. Sexy bite (laughs) in the season three finale. (sighs) Meow. Um, But also, okay. Buffy has, indeed, there's a scar on Buffy's neck. And we should track this as time goes on because I don't think we see it all the time. Only when it matters in a conversation will it pop up. I mean, scars do fade, right? They do, but like it's pretty prominent on her neck when they're talking about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to look for this for now on. Buffy says that uh, it was an angry puppy that bitter and then she says do you have any scars sorry sorry i want to interrupt this because that is actually pretty funny when you think about it because drusilla called angel her puppy when she had him chained up Ooh, interesting so in a way you know buffy was right she was bitten by an angry puppy uh more more like a uh delirious hot sexy puppy (laughs) but angry's fine too i regret reopening this subject please carry on (laughs) Um, uh, so Buffy asks Parker if he has any scars. Parker says, just psychological ones. Ooh, because his father died last year. Oh, no. And Buffy starts apologizing for bringing it up. And Parker's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I can talk about it I mean, as far as we're concerned, Buffy's father also died last year. So. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, like, don't open those wounds, Parker. Buffy also has a father who's not around anymore. But no, but Buffy also has Giles. I don't think Parker has a Giles. Not that's from what true. I can tell. That, that, that explains a lot about Parker, to be honest. I think we all need a Giles in our lives. So Parker says that he's not doing the whole deep get sympathy routine. Don't you hate guys who, who are all dark and broody and give me love? And I was like, no, Parker, we love them. Okay? Don't get it twisted. So Buffy says, I don't think I've ever met that type. <laughs> so they sit on a bench outside the cafe and it's going to take them literally days to get home at this point. <laughs> Parker says that what made it so sad was that there was a lot of stuff that his dad didn't get to finish. And it made me think about living for now. That's your second red flag. The people who start talking like this. Well, he's either about to make a move on her or offer her drugs and then make a move on her. <laughs> Hopefully both. Uh, Buffy is like, yeah, I think about that sometimes. I drowned a couple years ago, but I came back, obviously. But I don't put stuff off anymore, like you were saying. And... Parker says, that's great. Everybody says they get it. But what they really want is an excuse to goof off and not study for finals. And Buffy's like, well, that's also valid. And Parker's like, it's cool to find someone who understands. And Buffy's like, so Parker Abrams, when you go to sleep tonight, what are you going to regret not doing today? And Parker's like, I'm going to regret being too nervous to ask you to go to the party at Wolf House tomorrow night. Do you want to go? And Buffy's like, yes. And it's all smiles for these two. They're growing closer. Sickening. Well, it's funny, too, because at this part, we hear Xander's voice. He's not in the scene, but we hear him say, I'm not enjoying this. (laughs) And it cuts to Giles' house where Xander is organizing Giles' books. 
And he's like, I don't understand your crazy system. And Giles says, it's alphabetical. <laughs> so they don't explain why he's there yet. But Anya just walks in. Anya from last year. Remember Anya, the ex-demon? She walks into Giles' house. And I was confused because I was like, "You <laughs> normally she enters from the corner of Giles' house. <laughs> remember in the wish <laughs> i do yes i remember it's unforgettable the way you recreated that scene evil <laughs> there we go anyway she's been there before so that's why she knows but she entered through the door this time anya tells him he should lock his door and giles is like believe me i'm kicking myself it's true though it, no it's very true uh i also found this interesting because i detected like some sexual chemistry between Giles and Anya. It's very likely because Anya to me looks like a 40 year old woman, um, a sexy cougar woman, don't get me wrong, but like just, I'm like, love her, but like, I just think she looks so old. Like she looks way older than the, than the kids who are all in their mid twenties, obviously. I mean, does not Parker also look like he's older than he is? Yeah, they, I, you're right. Like fair enough. All And all of them are I, like between 24 and 30 at this point, but like, for whatever reason, Anya with her darker hair right now, and she just, looks, she just looks like a mature woman. So Xander says, Anya, last time I saw you, you were fleeing in terror. How's that going for you? And Anya's like, I need to talk to Xander. And then she's like, go away to Giles. And Giles just stares because like it's his house, right? Like, fuck off. So Anya pulls Xander outside. And Anya says that Xander's mom had told her that Xander was working there. And Xander's like, yeah, I needed some extra cash. So obviously, like, Giles is giving Xander money to organize his books. Well, the organizing hasn't actually happened yet, so... It's true. And I was like, that's really nice of Giles to, like, give him a hand and, like, I don't know, give him 20 bucks to organize stuff incorrectly. It's very strange, though. This does explain a plot point that I I noticed later on in the episode. I'll I'll bring it up when we get there, but... And I didn't realize this until you and I just started talking about this because okay. <laughs> I have I have a note about something, so I'll I'll bring it up later. But yeah, I I think you know the writers are still struggling to kind of find ways of getting Xander into these episodes. Yeah, because him getting hired by Giles just seems like I don't think Giles would ever do that. So Anya is saying right off the bat, "Where is this relationship going?" And Xander is so confused, and she's like, "Well, what kind do we have, and what is it progressing towards?" <laughs> and Xander says. We don't have a relationship. And Anya's like, well, we went to prom. And Xander's like, yeah, on our one and only date, second date called on account of Snake. And <laughs> there's the whole, you used to be a man-killing demon thing, which to be fair, is as much my issue as it is yours. <laughs> so Anya says, I can't stop thinking about you. Sometimes in my dreams, you're all naked. So can I assume a standing Friday night date and a mutual recognition of prom night as our dating anniversary? <laughs> And Xander tells her to slow down, come to a screeching halt. These things have to develop on their own. Anya doesn't understand how, and he just says, it happens. It just happens. So interesting development going on here. I'm glad to see Anya back. Uh, We cut to Parker, who has finally walked Buffy the five miles to her dorm room. It must be 8 a.m. the next morning. He, He very clearly wants her to invite him in. And I think she's also kind of playing the coy, like, should I, should I not? And he leans in to kiss her just as Will and Oz run up. And they got there very quickly because 
Oz drove. <laughs> okay, but does that make sense? Because Parker and Buffy were walking, but they got there before Willow and Oz. And they also stopped to have chats <laughs> on park benches. Yeah, you're right. The, the, once again, the timing in Sunnydale confuses me. And I just wish that they had just said once that Parker has a car or a moped or like a bike that she jumped on the back. A skateboard, like longboard, something. Surely that's not walking. Camel. Camel. <laughs> Bus. Like, I don't care. But just like, there's no way they walked 8K. So Oz says, remember Harmony? And Willow says, she's back from her summer vacation and she's a, she's a little different. Taylor. And Parker says, hey, what's wrong with your neck? And Buffy's like, neck. Taylor, puppy, the angry puppy. And Oz says, yep, we came to warn you about the angry puppy. So Buffy tells Parker that she needs to take care of this. And Parker's like, yeah, no problem. I'll pick you up tomorrow for the party. And they go inside and Oz is cleaning Willow's bite. And Buffy says, Harmony's a vampire. She must be dying without a reflection. <laughs> so Willow says she she made me so mad. Ooh, she made me so mad. My boyfriend's going to beat you up. Like, And Buffy says she has a boyfriend. And Willow's like, if you can believe her, she always lied about stuff like that. And Oz says that, you know, she even dated Devin, aka Mitch, for a while. But she was too flaky for him. Which is funny because we all know that Devin is a flaky man from Halloween season two. And Buffy says, a guy dating Harmony dead. Must be the most tolerant guy in the world. We cut to a cavern of sorts where construction is happening. And Harmony is walking through the construction area, walks right up to a guy whose face is covered in protection. And she says, hi, baby, I'm back. And it's Spike. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. So the tunneling happening underground, um, Spike has a crew with him and he's talking to who I can only assume is the superintendent or the manager of construction. His name's I mean, Ryan. You're, you are a construction expert. You know, this is your industry. So yeah, yeah, yeah tell me like how much of this is realistic. Do you think they're up to code? Like <laughs> They're definitely not up to code. <laughs> but um, I do like that he's got his main guy who is very likely the superintendent or the head engineer. <laughs> Who's there to help with the tunneling? Uh, and they are wearing safety masks, right? But not hard hats. Not hard hats, but they are wearing protective somethings on their heads. And I think at one point Spike's wearing gloves. Like, that's the best you can do in, as these vampires go, you know? Uh, but Spike is saying that it's the crypt, right? Like, the thing that they're finding. I'm not, I'm not keen on tunneling into someone's septic tank. And the vamp confirms it is. They have to tunnel from underneath because of the thin walls. And he's, like, pretty sure that it's going to work. And Spike brutally pushes him down onto the table. And he's like, you better be more than sure. I'd hate to have to hurt you. And Ryan's like, I swear, I swear. And that's no way to treat your employees, Spike. And Harmony comes up to Spike <laughs> in mid mid violence and grabs his face and she's like how's my little blondie bear <laughs> and spike says harm does it, this look like a good time to talk and harmony says are you gonna kill willow today because i want you to say this is for messing with my sweet girl <laughs> and then she starts to chew on his shoulder and spike he lets ryan go and says Nobody knows I'm here. I'm not going to kill the Slayer's best friend because that would tend to announce my presence. And we're too bloody close. And Harney says, he almost killed her last year. Suddenly it's a big deal. And Spike just tells her to sod off. He's like, go eat something. I've got work to do. And Harmony walks away. And there's a guy chained to the wall. And Kara, it is a poor Asian man. I knew you'd point this out. I have it in my notes too. Also, 
I could be mistaken. Does it look like he's dressed in like kind of official, like kind of tactical army type clothing? Is this like, oh. it's supposed to be a little nod to what's been going on? on the Interesting. Campus? I didn't notice that. Um, what I di- was thinking to myself was that they nabbed him as he was on his way to deliver Chinese food to Joyce. <laughs> that could also be the case. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But ooh, interesting. I have to go back and look, and we'll have to keep our eye on that. But Harmony is looking at him, and he's he looks in poor shape, and she's like, "This one tastes funny." <laughs> that's racist, Harmony. Harmony. I'm sure Asian people's blood is just as delicious to vampires as any other, you know, ethnicity or race. Yeah, our blood is full of MSG and salt. <laughs> And if you get to the right spot, it might even taste like some delicious bonbon. So please, Harmony, how dare. She says to Spike, take me out to eat. And she's like, I think I had math class with him last year. And he did, I didn't like him much then either. I want to go to, to a party. And she's like freaking out. And Spike gets super angry and he pushes her up against the wall. And Harmony's like, right here, baby, in front of Ryan. <laughs> And Spike says, you'd like that, wouldn't you? And Harmony says, maybe I would, after a party. And Spike pushes her again, but she laughs. Like, you, like it's pretty violent. He pushes her and she starts laughing. And then he smiles and says, tonight, I'll take you somewhere nice. So are you sad that Harmony died and like lost her life and is now an evil vampire? I mean, we like Harmony the vampire. She's hilarious. But I mean, I'm sad in the way that I'm sad that anybody has that happened to them, right? Like, I'm not particularly connected to Harmony. Yeah. Um, she's evil now, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's evil, and I. but I think when we watch this dynamic between her and Spike, and we know Spike pretty well because we hung out with him a lot in season two, uh, but Harmony is a new vampire, and from what we can tell... You might call her a freshman vampire. A fre- Ooh, a freshman vampire. And it's just interesting that she's clinged herself to Spike... She's pretty helpless. Like, he's very abusive with her in this episode. And I think this is the beginning of us... Not even the beginning, sorry. We saw pieces of this with Drusilla. But him and Drusilla were pretty evenly matched to me in terms... Like, she was really weak in the first half of season two. But it seemed like she sired him and they had a a whole different dynamic. But with Harmony, he's very physically violent with her. And he has this explosive temper in this episode. And no regard for the emotional well-being of Harmony. He doesn't actually care for her the way he cares for Drusilla at all. So I I felt a little bit of sympathy for Harmony, not in that she's like a vampire, but more that she's like a new freshman vampire who seems a little helpless. So it's interesting that she ended up with him. It's like, is she with him because she also kind of sees herself as helpless and like it's a way for survival? This is what she feels like she has to do in order to ease her way into this vampire life. I don't know. I was trying to get into Harmony's headspace. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, it does. And the spike of it all, I think, was really making me feel bad because he's he's very physical with her, right? I, yes. I, I have comments on this, but I'm kind of going to reserve them until a bit later in the episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think it's important just to point out, and I know this is not what you were saying, Steph, but for the benefit of our listeners, you know, we're not trying to say that like, if you are a stronger person, then, you know, you can put up with more abusive behavior from your, your partner, right? Like, just because Drusilla uh, is more evenly matched, as you say, with Spike, that doesn't mean she deserves to be mistreated by Spike. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that there's a different tenor to the relationship dynamics here. And, yeah, I, I think we're going to see, as I said before, we're going to see a lot more of Harmony's psyche in the scenes to come. 
Yeah, and the sympathy is there for Harmony for me, but it wasn't there for Drusilla. So that's that's the difference. Well, that's because yeah, Drusilla is you know, like Harmony's also evil, but she hasn't done a lot of evil things that we know of yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure she's killed some people at this point, but you know, yeah, Drus- Drusilla herself, like independently of Spike, was a badass evil vampire, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I agree with you on that part. I just I just really wanted to make it clear to everybody that like we are in no way condoning. Uh, any type of abuse Mm-mm. between partners. Yeah. Uh, so we go to a raging house party at Wolf House, I think, and it's Biff Naked. Biff Naked is performing at this house party, and I'm shook. And Buffy and Parker are walking through it. He's like, do you want to go dance? And she's like, no, let's have a meaningful talk instead. Buffy, you're such a cool girl. So they walk straight into Spike and Harmony, <laughs> who have a guy between them, and they've obviously been feeding off him. He looks like he's about to die. And Buffy's like, Spike, and Harmony. And I love how she said that because she's so amused to see that he's with her. And mm-hmm. Harmony's like, Buffy, hi, what a cute outfit last year. <laughs> nice. Spike says, this is interesting, sort of a double date. And Parker's like, okay, well, it looks like your friend started par- the party a little early, huh? And he's referring to the guy they're holding up. And Spike's like, well, let's have a look at the new boy. And Parker's like, I'm Parker, and goes to shake Spike's hand, and Spike just stares at it. And then he's like, I like him. He's got, what's the word? Vulnerability. And Buffy says, and you with Harmony? What, you lose a bet? (laughs) And Harmony says, hey. And Spike says, funny story how we met. And then he throws the guy on top of them. And him and Harmony take off and Buffy pursues them outside. And Buffy's looking for them outside. She takes out her stake. And he sneaks up around the corner and punches her. And they, they punch a bit and they have a bit of a conversation during this. And she says, what's the matter, Spike? Drew dump you again? And Spike says, maybe I dumped her. And Harmony comes up behind them and she says, she left him for a fungus demon. It's all he talks about most days. And Spike's like, Harm, we're going. It's, it isn't time yet. And my mem- if my memory serves me correct, Drusilla, last time we saw Spike in season three, Drusilla dumped him for a chaos demon. So either he went back and took her back and then she dumped him for I a think fungus that's the demon. Yes, it's this yeah. ongoing, it's a running joke where they always get back together and then she leaves him for a different type of demon. Okay, okay. Because I was like, also Harmony could have just like messed up the name. Uh, but uh, Harmony says as they're leaving, she's like, yeah, but as soon as we have the gem of Amara, you're going to be, and Spike is like, no, nah! <laughs> like fuck. And he pulls her away. And Buffy is just watching them go. And I was like, Buffy, you're going to let them go? Like Buffy always just lets Spike go. Like get him. He's right there. Well, she she wants to get back to Parker. Once again, this whole episode, Buffy, you know, is not thinking with her brain. Let's put it that way. Uh, so Xander is in his basement hanging up a disco ball. And Anya walks in. And she says, your mother sent me around from the front of the house. She also said to ask you to add fabric softener when the timer goes off. <laughs> because the, the laundry's going. She's like, can we talk some more? And Xander says, yeah. Would you care for something? I have cran apple. And she says, all right. And I like how open Xander is to this, actually. I, like, she showed up unannounced, but he and he's telling her, like, it's customary to call before you show up. Um, but I like that she asked, like, can we talk more? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we can talk. So he he grabs a juice box out of the fridge, because of course he does. And he turns around, and Anya is naked. She's taken off her clothes while he's been turned around. And he squeezes the juice box so hard that all the juice comes out, and we cut away. So... Buffy is on the phone with Giles. There's a payphone right outside the wolf house for some reason. 
And she's telling him about Spike and Harmony and that they're looking for the gem of Amara. And Giles is like, are you sure? Because like, that's not real. <laughs> it's it's a myth. It's a vampire equivalent of the Holy Grail. Um, it's, it has some sort of enormous power, which is conveniently vague. And Giles pulls out a book like right there that was right in front of him. And he starts so reading that, from that's it. What, that's what I wanted to flag, you know, with our conversation about Xander organizing Giles' books. You know, when I first watched the scene, I'm like, good old Giles, right? Like he just immediately knows which book to find. It's right there in front of him. And he just pulls it out. And he's like, yep, okay, here's the reference to the Gem of Amara. But having talked about the previous scene with you, I'm realizing that actually, well, he just organized his library, right? And I don't think Xander did. I think Xander left after that conversation with Anya. Yeah. <laughs> so, which probably Giles worked faster at that point without Xander. Yeah. Um, so Giles probably remembered seeing that book earlier nice. today yeah. and that's why he was able to locate it so fast. Perfect. Then we, then I have nothing to critique here. <laughs> so, uh, the, Giles starts reading from the book and he says there was a great deal of vampiric interest in locating the gem during the 10th century and questing vampires combed the earth, but no one found it. It was concluded that it never existed. And Buffy says that Spike thinks it does. And he's looking in Sunnydale and Giles is like, okay, well, I'll do some research off to bed for you. And she's like, uh-huh, sleepy, yawn, <laughs> hangs up. So did European based vampires know that the quote unquote new world uh, existed before it was quote-unquote discovered by genocidal and terrible person Christopher Columbus? I suppose so. Um, many questions here actually around the gem and the tunnel and the crypt because like we know that there's a lot of underground caverns in Sunnydale, right? The, the mayor I mean, wanted it's, it to it's be It's basically, so. I, don't, I don't want to build on that town because it's going to collapse one day. Like it's Right? Just, it's sinkholes galore. Right? I, I mean, hopefully it never happens, but... Um, it was so interesting to me that you, so they've been looking for this thing since the 10th century. Sunnydale's only been around for 100 years because the mayor founded it 100 years ago. <laughs> so how did this crypt right. and this but, ring but get the, here? The Hellmouth has been around for much longer, right? So like, mm. we, we already know there's this rich history of different like cults and stuff coming to Sunnydale throughout the centuries. Praise Moloch. Yeah, and the Glove of Minigan. And there were those knights with those swords, right? Like there's yeah. all sorts of magical artifacts that eventually make their way to Sunnydale. So so even if the the gem didn't find its way here until um, after Europe discovered this whole new world that did not have any people living here at all before Europeans showed up. Um, sarcasm. But, <laughs> you know, maybe the gem made its way over here at some point. The Hellmouth just tends to attract these artifacts, I think. Mm. Okay, I will accept that answer. Everything I critique, you can just keep knocking them down, Kara. Boom, boom, boom. So Spike is shirtless and reading the newspaper as Harmony lies in bed. Uh, and she's asking if if Antonio Banderas is a vampire. And Spike's like, no. She's like, can I make him a vampire? He's like, no. Wait, on second thought, yeah, go do that. Take your time. Do Melanie and the kids too. <laughs> Antonio Banderas isn't a vampire in this reality. Yeah, I wonder if they chose Antonio Banderas I think, specifically. I think they did. I think okay. that's a reference. <laughs> uh, question for you, Steph. Yeah. How do you feel about Spike shirtless versus Angel shirtless? <sighs> Angel is shirtless for purpose, and that is to do Tai Chi and to he's in the middle of changing usually. <laughs> he usually clothes himself when Buffy comes over. So 
So Spike is here, shirtless, harmonies in a revealing little Gratuitous shirtless dress. Yes. Yes, it is. Is he as like attractive as Angel? Not to me. Not to me. And he's a little bit too pale. I've never been into... Here, I'll say it now. I think James Marster is a very good looking man. It's just not for me. All right? I just... I don't like the hair. And um, it's, it's just not my thing. But I will say that I know a lot of people do find him incredibly sexy. And here's a shirtless shot for them, for those people. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel. I like Harmony's nighty. I like that they put her in blue, because I feel like we have this tendency to stick blondes in pink. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just kind of nice that they gave her this rich blue, uh, what is that, like a baby doll? Yeah, yeah, like a nice little baby doll lingerie set. Uh, I think they both look really sexy together in this scene. And this scene is obviously setting up for like, some hanky-panky, some vampire sex. Uh, but Harmony's like laying out on the bed and she's like, oh my God, like I don't have a pulse. Cool. Can, can we get a doctor so we, can get a stethos- so we can get a stethoscope and hear my heart not beating? And Spike stands up super aggressively and he's like, what will it take to get you to shut the hell up? And Harmony laughs and this racy music starts to play. And Harmony says... Well, if my heart's not beating, then what are these veins for? I'm simply covered in these blue veins, see? And she's like touching her chest seductively. And Spike comes over and like lies on the bed on top of her. And they start to kiss. And he's like, we've got an extra set of chains. And Harmony says, ew, just because Dorcas went in for that. And Spike grabs her hair and says, Drusilla, say her name. And Harmony says, Dorcas. And he says, bite your tongue. And Harmony says, do it for me. And they start to make out. So, interesting little love scene going on here. Um, again, I, I think one thing that adds to my not being attracted to Spike is because he's so aggressive and violent toward her. Like, mm-hmm. when he tells her to shut the hell up, and then he's like, I want to chain you up, and, like, like grabs her hair. Like, it's too much for me. Right. I mean, I mean, this is what I was talking about when I said I appreciated seeing more of Mercedes McNabb's range. Mm-hmm. Um Part of me is just curious about, like, how much of Harmony's use of her sexuality here is something she had experimented with before she was sired versus how much of it is due to the confidence that vampires have as a result of kind of losing their soul. You know, I think we've seen kind of with people we've seen turned into vampires, they become these darker, colder, but more confident and sure of themselves versions So I'm curious uh, as like, you know, when Harmony was human, when she was in high school, was she already kind of experimenting with this kind of like aggressive sexuality Mm -hmm. or is it something that's kind of come out of her as a result of her transformation? I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to that question, but it's just worth thinking about. Right. And, you know, same with Spike, right? Like it's like how much of Spike's sexual hangups are the result of, you know, his two centuries now of murdering and killing and, and whatever he's done versus, you know, who he was before he became a vampire. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we don't know anything about Spike's past yet. We know that, you know, his name's William the Bloody. And... I don't think his name was William the Bloody before he became a vampire, though. I feel like at least one of those phrases Could have been William. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah he was yeah, probably yeah. just bloody. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know much about him, but it's interesting that here we're seeing Harmony 
successfully manipulating him using her sexuality. And I like what you said, like, we don't know how much of that she was already doing when she was a human. We know because we're seeing it in the show that she obviously has been doing this with Spike for a couple of months at least. I want to see the scene where they meet. Like, yeah, how like how did they meet and how did that go about? But earlier I was saying I felt bad for Harmony in, in that she's like kind of clinging to Spike for whatever reason we don't know. But it's also nice to see this part of their relationship too where she does have some power over him. And again, we don't know what Spike was like when he was a human. But we know that right now, Harmony is like this blonde bombshell, right? She looks like a Barbie, um, super sexual, super beautiful. So she's using that over him. And I'm like, I wonder if that has something to do with like, you know, maybe he's got like a beta man personality that like actually, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to go into any spoilers. I think we have we have a, a while to get into that with Spike. Yeah. I want to put a call out to longtime listener Casey, who wrote us a little script for... Um, Giles's conversation with the the soul taking <laughs> demon guy from last season. Uh, Casey, can you please write a little scene where Harmony and Spike bump into each other at a bar or something? I think that would be hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So much more to go with Spike and other women for sure. So Xander is um, exactly the same position we left him in. <laughs> Anya is reading him his rights. It sounds like she's like she's been laying out why they need to have sex. And basically, what she's saying is that the matter is brought to conclusion with both parties satisfied and able to move on with their separate lives and interests. To sum it up, I think it's a workable plan. And Xander says, so the crux of the plan is, and Anya is like sexual intercourse. I've said it a thousand thousand times Anya thinks that this is the secret to getting him out of her mind putting her putting him behind her figuratively <laughs> she's like I'm thinking face to face for the event itself and Xander's like well we hardly hardly know each other I mean I like you and you have a certain directness that I admire but sexual intercourse and Anya is walking toward him as he's talking he says I, I can actually feel myself turning into a woman as I say this, but it's boo. about expressing something and accepting consequences. And yeah, boo, boo, uh, Xander, because remember in season three, when Oz says something very similar in amends to Willow about sex meaning something, and Oz is not a woman, Xander. So it is possible for men to also want to have feelings involved when getting physical with somebody. So Anya says, I have condoms. Some are black. (laughs) And Xander seems really impressed by that at first. And then he's like, well, that's very considerate. And Anya says, I like you. You're funny and you're nicely shaped. And frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. So please remove your clothing now. And Xander's like, amazing thing, still more romantic than Faith. Anya leans in and starts kissing him. And then we hear like a ding. And Anya's like, fabric softener <laughs> very sexy um xander don't mention other women you've slept with when you're about to sleep with a woman like i i've never slept with anybody and i know that's just basic etiquette right just don't just don't but like i he gets away with a lot because of anya's naivete or obsession obsession yeah what do we think anya sees it i know she just said that he's nicely he's shaped, nicely shaped but... <laughs> He's funny and he's nicely shaped. He's neither of those things, Anya. <laughs> Bird. Uh, no, no, no. That's this not is true. just so strange. And this is like, like this, what's going on with Xander and Anya matters in the sense that it is juxtaposition for what goes on with Buffy and Parker and Spike and Harmony, right? Like we have three 
dyads in this episode that are portraying very different but also very similar approaches to sexuality and coupling and relationships where we have like Xander and Anya, like we were just talking about. There, there's no connection there beyond the physical attraction. And Anya is being very aggressive in a different way from Harmony, but she is being very sexually aggressive. She is pursuing Xander. She is pushing this on him. Um, and we have a hot stake later on that we can talk about the dynamic between Anya and Xander and compare it with Faith and stuff later on. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing that. Whereas with Buffy and Parker, there's a, there's a more subtle dance going on between the two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with Spike and Harmony, it's this kind of thing where they're kind of trading off this power. You, you know, like we just discussed, Harmony is using her sexuality in an aggressive and direct way. But we also see, and we will continue to see in this episode, that ultimately, as much as we might kind of joke about Spike's beta man personality, he is the one who calls the shots in the relationship in terms of like, I have the power to make you upset mm -hmm. you know yeah we'll definitely see that play out in a little bit let's go back to the party okay let's go back to the rager at wolf house because buffy has found parker who says he's been worried and she explains that spike is an old friend who was not supposed to drink and she caught him here in the land of beer and it's a whole thing and i was like wow that's a pretty good lie buffy usually you're terrible at it buffy's a lot better at lying this year very strange. Parker says, you did a good thing for your friend. And he asks if they used to go out. And Buffy, like, laughs out loud at that. She's like, no, we really didn't. But their conversation, right, earlier, it mimics that of a breakup, right? Like, who's the new guy? And, oh, you're with Harmony, right? I just, I, I hate that, you know, many men assume that the only context in which a woman can know a man is if they used to date or have something between them, right? Yeah. Like... That is just kind of this toxic, compulsory heteronormativity in our society where it's like, oh, men and women can't be friends. and That's not true. Um, and like you said, there there is, you know, some justification for what Parker's saying, but I would label this another red flag. There it is. Number three, number four, Parker, please shut up. So <laughs> they, uh, so Buffy takes off her coat. And she's wearing a really cute little shirt. And he's he's like, can I dance with the prettiest girl at the party? And she's like, well, what do I do? Stand here and watch? Oh, so coy, so coy. So they start dancing and Biff Naked's still there. And she's singing, we are, we are, we are the lucky ones. And it's very, it's very rare for us to get an actual like pop song on this show that's like in the background. Usually we get sad, sultry, bronze music. <laughs> um, but here we got like a little, a little ditty that they dance to and they slow dance for a bit. And then we cut to them sitting on a couch talking. And Parker says that he switched from pre-med to history. And he's like, there's something amazing about these huge events that when you dig down into them, they're all about regular people just trying to make choices. When you look back at it, it seems like people were swept up in the events they couldn't control. But I don't believe that. You always have a choice with everything you do. Another red flag! I'm throwing, up. I'm throwing up. I'm sorry for that bad ASMR, my friends. But Anyone who leaves pre-med to go to history, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't believe I can't you. even with Parker like this guy like it's a lot he he is what these days we would call a pickup artist right like mm -hmm. he's very clearly guiding Buffy along this predetermined path that he's set up for her 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it, it just, it makes my skin crawl. Well, it, it hurts even more because Buffy is buying it because he leans forward and they kiss. He's kissing our Buffy, Summers. And he says, is this okay? Because I could stop if you wanted to. It's your choice. <sighs> so Buffy starts caressing his face and he's like, what are you doing? And she says, making a choice jesus christ so they keep making out and the montage goes all the way to their dorm room biff naked still singing and they keep making out they slowly declothe i did think it was strange that biff naked followed them to parker's dorm room to (laughs) serenade them as they fuck but that was in the contract that she signed (laughs) we're paying you to come to the room as well uh giles at the same time, which is such a weird choice that Buffy's hooking up with Parker while we see Giles researching. And he calls Buffy on her phone in her dorm room, which is obviously empty. And he says, Buffy, are you there? Call me. I need to talk to you right my, away. My, my, my. How the tables have turned, Giles. Last time how the turn Buffy tables. <laughs> was in the middle of something. You were busy having a little sexcapade, a little romp at home. And, wow. you know, he doesn't know it yet, but, you know, now it's your turn to feel left out. Ever since Graduation Day Part 1, this has been the horniest show. Can we get one episode without these characters that is, banging it up? That's actually true. Yeah, you're you right. You know, everyone's putting their P's and V's over here. So, so... Buffy and Parker are having slow, no movement, no chemistry, boring ass sex, completely separated by sheets from what it looks like. Can we like. talk about how nice these sheets are in these dorm rooms? Oh, you like that? <laughs> well, you bring your own. Look, you bring your own sheets. But Buff, doesn't Buffy also have red sheets? Does she? I can't remember. Um, but you definitely okay. bring your like own sheets. I thought like they were standard sheets. Okay, because yeah, yeah, mostly, yeah. you know, when you think dorm room, you think just like the world's worst scratchiest white sheets oh no so they provide you with mattresses but you bring your own bedding hmm. mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. okay well that 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 just it's another literal red flag why are your sheets so nice parker because the rest of that dorm room is not nice it's true it's true the rest of it's really dirty i mean i mean he must have been feeling pretty confident that buffy summers was gonna have sex that's with him tonight. that's what i'm saying is he's yeah. you know he broke out the good sheets like this guy this is clearly not the first time this guy has done this and he wrapped up buffy in them so that the only thing that's touching them each other is is his the penis, I guess. Body parts? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love that when Anya says that. I think it's funny and true. I mean, I don't think it's true, but that's just me. Well, I, I, hey, we, I'm just saying. I do not want to interlock with anybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, neither did Sarah Michelle Geller clearly, because she was like, "Do not touch me." <laughs> this poor actor. So anyway. Buffy wakes up naked in Parker's bed after coitus. He's missing. Wow, where have we seen this before? So she starts looking for her clothes, and then he comes in with coffee. And he's like, oh, you're out for, you're out. So I grabbed us some coffee, because all I have is warm soda and breath mints. Sure enough, look around his, his dorm room. It's filthy. It's men. Like... Men. Um, they sit down together on the bed, and Buffy's like, well, what are your plans for today? And he's like, my mom's coming to visit. She's like, oh. Well, I'll just clear out then, but maybe we can talk or something later. And he's like, absolutely, I'll give you a call. And she's like, great, one more thing before I go. And he's like, a kiss? <laughs> and she says, pants. <laughs> um, but she's like, a kiss is good too. And then they kiss. Uh-oh. Oh, Buffy. So Buffy. Xander and Anya are also Buffy. waking up post-coitus. And, Everybody's um, having sex. Willow and Oz probably had sex because Buffy didn't come home. 
right? Ooh, good for them. Uh, <laughs> good for everybody. Uh, the only person who didn't have sex is Giles. He was researching the gem of Amara. Giles, Giles already got some earlier this season. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it's funny because Zan- so Xander and Anya are facing the opposite way as they put their clothes back on, and Anya's like, "So I'm over you now," and Xander's like, "Okay." And Anya's like, okay. And he's like, yeah. And she gets up, she like scoffs and she goes and leaves. And then here's the next couple, Harmony and Spike are waking up, probably post Codis as well. Um, and Spike is sleeping. Harmony's drawing on his back with lipstick. And he's like, Harm, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm writing Spike loves Harmony on your back. He's like, why? She's like, it's fun. I'm bored. You can write on me. And <laughs> Spike's like, I got to get back to work. So he gets up and Harmony's like, you love that tunnel more than me. And he says, I love syphilis more than you. And he goes. I have a question. How do vampires do their makeup? Yeah, it's true. I was actually wondering this too, because I think Harmony looks fucking great in this episode. Like at the party, she looked amazing with her hair Braids and her, her hair. Outfits. Yeah, like, yeah, like her I, can, makeup. I can barely do my makeup staring at a mirror <laughs> the entire time. Leave it to Harmony. If it, like Give her credit for anything. It's that she would take the time to teach herself how to put her makeup on without looking at herself. This, this, this is true. Like I yeah. believe it's possible. I, I just... As, as I said, as somebody who has trouble with a mirror, I'm just like, good for you, Harmony. That should be a viral TikTok trend. Is everyone trying to do their makeup without looking? <laughs> That'd be actually really interesting. So Buffy returns to her dorm room. Walk of shame. She starts unchanging. But oh my God, Giles and Willow are in there. <laughs> and Giles is like, good morning. And Buffy's like, oh my God, I was out studying. And while she's talking to Giles, Willow is behind Giles and she's mouthing, how did things go with Parker? Like, well, I think it's clear, back. Willow, from what's going on, how things right? went. I don't think you need to ask. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoy the blocking in this scene. You <laughs> know, funny. Buffy walking in, hastily doing up the stringy little top number she's got going on, Giles being there, the way Willow's mouthing things, you know, making some gestures, because, you know, Buffy's like, again, she's like lying very poorly, and she says, you know what, I'm an adult, and it's none of your business where I was. (laughs) And Giles just gives her that classic pained librarian look and says, I am sincerely relieved to hear it. (laughs) Can we discuss the impending disaster? Um, So he's found some dirt on the gem of Amara and apparently he just needed to use Willow's computer because you know Willow has set up a pretty sweet computer setup in her her side of the the massive dorm room that they share Mm -hmm. um and he says okay I have found you know some information the gem of Amara resides in the valley of the sun the valley of the sun interesting what could that be but Mm -hmm. fortunately Willow translates for those of us who maybe are a little bit slow on the uptake and says that's demon fancy talk for Sunnydale (laughs) so somehow you know Spike must be pretty good at research or at least hire some minions who are good at research because he found out that the gem of Amara is likely here and he found the likely location of the sealed underground crypt um so Buffy switches into slay mode and says you guys try to find the crypt. I'll see if I can find Spike before he gets there. Um, so Giles goes to leave. Willow says they'll meet at Giles's house. <laughs> and then, you know, the moment Giles leaves, Willow like turns around and she's like, tell me everything. Yeah. Girl talk time. She like jumps on the bed. <laughs> this And this is what I was talking about as like, you know, we continue to get this wonderful girl talk because they're sitting on the bed. 
You know, I love the lighting on their faces. Buffy has this kind of glow to her. And, you know, um, Willow's like, I want the details, not the diagram, but like a blurry watercolor. <laughs> and, and I like how Buffy says it was nice. It was really nice. And then she's like, he's going to call. And you and I know what's going on here, not only because we've seen the episode before, but we're also women in our 30s. Like this playbook <laughs> is not new to us. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job, the writers as well as the actors here, of capturing that naivete, that innocence of, you know, this is Buffy's first time post-Angel having sex, having this type of connection with a guy she's falling for him right there's some hormones going on here there's some oxytocin so it's it's interesting the way it's being played and i think there is a a genuineness to it and the the excitement is quite genuine too and buffy is really excited because i think she feels like she took a step for herself and she's feeling more adult now because she did it willow says that don't you just love this part where it's all new and everything's a discovery and buffy's like i don't know i guess i do and we forget that buffy never got this before She didn't get this last time because Angel lost a soul. (laughs) So I wish that she could enjoy this car. I wish she could hold on to this feeling and enjoy it. So elsewhere, Ryan has found the crypt. He did his job. He found the crypt. Good job, Ryan. Great job, Ryan. Whatever happens to Ryan, I don't think we find out, right? I don't think we find out either unless he like comes up as a big bad in season five. <laughs> Ryan the vampire. <laughs> Ryan the vampire. Um, Spike says no one leaves the lair till we're into the crypt. I don't want the Slayer tracking anyone back to the tunnel. That means you, Harm. You're an indoor kitty now. And Harmony says, but you said you'd take me places. You said we'd go to France. And now I can't even leave the lair. And all the other like vampires and Ryan, they're all like, Ugh, and they leave. And Spike says, listen to me, you stupid bint. And I don't know what bint is. It's English slang. It's English slang. So he says, this gem is everything. I came back to Sunnydale for it. A place which has witnessed some truly spectacular kickings of my ass. Now, when I have the gem, they all die. Don't worry, but until then, stay inside. And by the way, I would be insanely happy if from this point on, I heard bugger all about sodding France. And he pushes her against the wall. And she says, I don't know why I let you be so mean to me. And she's in tears. And he says, love hurts, baby. All right. So this is where I want to talk about Spike's misogyny. (laughs) Um, Here comes. I brought this up way back in school hard when we met Spike, right? We saw this even then with the way that he treated Buffy. And Joyce. And Joyce, yeah. There is a deep cruelness within Spike. And it's not just because he's a soulless vampire. There is something about this man where he, I don't think he sees women as people. I, I, I don't think he is capable of viewing women as something worthwhile in terms of uh, seeing them as equals, you know, and we were talking about he and Drusilla being more equally matched, but even Drusilla, like we saw the way that he kind of carried her. Well, he punched her first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the way that he made a deal with Buffy about her, mm-hmm. you know, didn't involve her in that. I mean, maybe there's a reason that Drusilla keeps leaving him, right? Like, she recognizes that it's not, even for vampires, it's an incredibly fucked up relationship. But, you know, I, I think that the writers really are building in this thread of misogyny to Spike, where in addition to just the baseline vampiric evil, he hates women Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's we see that now with the way he's treating Harmony, because it isn't just that it's this abusive relationship, you know, because I, I think that often abusers choose their targets very carefully. And for cis, straight, male abusers, you know, those targets can be women, but it's not necessarily every woman, right? Like there's many male abusers who are so lovely and wonderful with the other women in their lives. And it's only their partner that they are, are like this with, right? Because that's how they manifest this. But I don't think that's the case for Spike. I think mm-hmm. he is abusive. He's toxic towards every woman that mm-hmm. he meets and interacts with uh, in one way or another. A- and that's, to me, what makes me uncomfortable about some of the, um, shall we say, praise that Spike receives um, as we carry on through the series. You know, it, it's I, I think Spike is a wonderful character and he has his moments, right? And we can talk more about that as we carry on. But, uh, you know, Sp- Spike has something at his core that's rotten. I agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's kind of what I was trying to get to say, but I didn't say it as clearly as I wanted to before. But the whole thing with Spike with Harmony's sexuality and how she manipulates him using it that way, well, it feels like that's the only way that Spike would ever pay attention to a woman or, or take right, her exactly. seriously. Right, exactly. Like, I don't think Harmony has power over Spike. Mm-hmm. He allows her to have power because it turns him on yeah, to then dominate her again. Yeah, it's about him. Uh, and I think that's definitely something that plays into this. So, well said. And definitely something that we're going to keep seeing. As this show goes on, uh, we get a montage. You and I like a montage, but this is actually a really I, serious montage. I had montage. this in my notes, yes. Yeah, so you are correct. <laughs> uh, it's a 90s music song. I don't know what it is. But Boppy is walking around campus asking students if they've seen Harmony, and she, she's showing a picture of from the Sunnydale High yearbook. It's not a great picture of her. It's not. It, I, I like her over-the-shoulder look. I, I, go, I do that a lot, too. Boppy is in her dorm room checking the messages. Parker hasn't called. Spike is tunneling. Big shot. Uh, Buffy... Buffy calls the machine uh, at 9.05 p.m. I remember when you used to do this. I used to I, do I was, this, Yeah, right? history lesson with Kara, right? Before we had cell phones. Yeah. But even when you had cell phones, if you had like a, an answering machine on your landline or something, you could call your phone number and like press buttons, you know, do something magical with the phone. <laughs> yeah. And it would tell you if you had messages. And you, you know, can hear it's them. nice to see this. <laughs> um but yeah, it's 9.05, and there's still no message from Parker. Big shock. <laughs> Fucking Parker. So Spike drills a hole through the floor. He's broken through, and still no messages. Buffy comes and checks her messages again, probably the next day. No messages. She lies down sadly. So Spike crawls through the hole he's created, and he goes into the crypt, and there are treasures and jewels and dead corpses all around, and he sees one necklace that has like a green gem and he's like it's it so he's putting it on as harmony comes up and she's like "Ooh, pretty can i take stuff and spike's like take whatever you want i don't care so she kisses him on the cheek and she in the background she's got this giant crown on <laughs> this is a huge crown and she's putting stuff on her while spike is like taking in the necklace and he's like waiting for something to happen i think and harmony is like is it doing it like do you feel it you don't look any different if you wondered I thought maybe you'd look taller or glow or something. So Spike walks over to near her and he grabs one of the crosses that's sitting there and it do- and it burns him. So it obviously is not working. And she says, 
You should put some butter on that. And she puts a ring on while she's saying this. And Spike is super frustrated because obviously that's not the gem. And she's saying, well, maybe it's worth money anyway. That would be something. And then we could go to France. And I always wanted to go to France and stay in a, ch- in a chateau. And you could take me shopping. And while she's doing this, Spike like, screams in annoyance and frustration. He grabs a piece of wood and he stakes her. But instead of dusting, her wound heals itself. And Harmony's like, I can't believe you just did that. And she starts beating on him. But I just want to pause here because it goes in right into what you're saying, Carl. Like, she, he just tried to kill his girlfriend because she was annoying him. And right. he was and again, frustrated. Like, big kudos to Mercedes McNabb for her acting in this scene, right? Like, she nails. I think we've all met a person like this mm-hmm. who is just so unaware of anything that is not directly related to themselves it's similar to the way cordelia is except cordelia is much more uh coherent in her desires whereas harmony i think is a little bit like a squirrel right where it's like friends gem you know like butter (laughs) um but you know it's that similarity with cordelia of like i'm gonna say what's on my mind there is no filter you know and she nails it in this scene so the the dynamic between them and spike's reaction which is horrible, yes. But it, this is what I'm talking about, about like that humor yeah. in this episode kind of cutting the uh, the tension of the abusiveness is, you know, Harmony is genuinely a delight in this episode. And even in the darker moments, she, she is a breath of fresh air. And I just I just wish we had more of her. It's true. It's true. And I really like this because like he he sees that she's wearing a ring and he takes the cross, like he puts a cloth on it and he holds it up and he like presses it to her forehead <laughs> and there's no burning. And she's like, what are you doing, you big freak? And he's like, that's my gem. And Harmony's like, fine, fine. If that's all that matters to you, then just take it, take it. And she like, she um she throws it at him. She's like, get out. Well, because well, he's like grabbed her arm. Yeah. Like this is... um. You know, like, yes, we saw him slam her against a wall and stuff like his his the way that he acts around her. He doesn't respect her space, her body. He will take what he wants. Right. And that to me, she's an object to him. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. to me is so unsettling. Yeah. 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 It's, It's actually really hard to watch. And like you said, they cut through that tension with the humor. But regardless, he's being really physical with her and it's not fun. Um, and Spike puts the ring on. He says, good idea. I think I'll go play outside. So he leaves. And we cut to Giles's house. Oz is looking through Giles's albums. And he's like, either I'm borrowing all your albums or I'm moving in. And Giles says, Oz, there are more important things than records right now. And Oz holds up a record. Uh, it's the Velvet Underground's Loaded. And he's like, more important than this? And Giles says, an argument could be made. <laughs> and that's when Xander interrupts and he's like, whoa. Giles has a TV. Everybody, Giles has a TV. He's shallow like us. (laughs) And Oz says, I gotta admit, I'm a little disappointed. And Willow's like, well, maybe it doesn't work. (laughs) And Xander turns it on and the news is on. And Giles is like, it's a public television. And then he's like, okay, come on. Watching television is not going to help us right now, but he's wrong because the news is reporting on a sinkhole. And this is exactly what happens when you do not do survey work before building a tunnel, okay? There's a lot of stuff that goes into construction in that way. (laughs) So sinkhole's happening in the middle of the city, and Giles says, it's Spike, come on. And he says, Xander, find Buffy and meet us at the sinkhole. 
Yeah, yes. Let's send the person who is least familiar with the Sunnydale campus to find Buffy. Right. That's so true. It's like you should have sent Oz for sure. And Oz has a car. Xander, you walked five miles. <laughs> if Parker did it last night, it should be no problem. Go. So Buffy, speaking of Bar- Parker, Buffy spots Parker on campus. Oh, boy. Talking to another blonde girl. Shocking. As she gets closer to him, we hear that he's saying the exact same fucking story about his dad and how he lives for now. Do you think he practices it in the mirror and does a little like hair flip? Absolutely. Men like Parker exist out there and they think they're so fucking suave, sensitive and suave, and it's a dangerous combo. So Buffy comes up behind him and he's like, she's like, Parker? And he introduces her to the girl he's talking to and sends the girl off. And Buffy's like, is she a friend? Dismisses her and she just leaves. Like, she's like, thanks, Parker. I'll go to class now. You're right. He's like, you better go to class. You'll be late. (laughs) What is going on? So. Buffy says, is that a friend of yours? And he says, yeah, you'd like her a bunch. (laughs) Fuck off. So he says, well, what's up? And Buffy's like, well, you didn't call. And, you know, I'd understand if you were busy or sick or something. And Parker's like, hey, it's only been a couple of days. Did you need to talk to me about something? And Buffy says, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, sure it is. And Buffy's like, well, maybe do you want to do something? And he's like, we can do that. Absolutely. And Buffy's like, great. How about tonight? And he says, Oh, I'm supposed to get together with some people later. Like, so fucking vague. And Buffy says, did I did I do something wrong? And he's like, wrong? No, of course not. It was fun. Didn't you have fun? And then he's like, watch out how you answer that. My ego is fragile. Ooh, oh, be my careful. God. Man, be careful, like, Buffy. Oh, my God. He's like, so much gaslighting in this scene, you know, and... and the performance of that fragile masculinity where because we raise women to take care of men and be nurturing of them from a young age, right? Parker either consciously or subconsciously understands this and he's playing off of that, right? Uh, and it's, uh, I just want to like reach through the screen Strangle and him. you know do terrible things to him. No worse than that stuff. We're gonna like ruin this man's life. Yeah, I would love to cancel him publicly. <laughs> I am gonna write a sternly worded Twitter thread. <laughs> Ooh, Buffy says, "Yeah, like fun, but like was that all it was?" And he's like, "What was it supposed to be?" <sighs> And Buffy says, well, you seemed like you liked me. And he says, I did. But I'm starting to feel like you thought that meant what? Some kind of commitment? Is that really what you want right now? (laughs) And Buffy says, I just thought. And Parker says, look, I'm sorry if you misunderstood something. I thought things were pretty clear. And Buffy's like, I didn't mean to miss anything. I'm I'm sorry. And uh, it's not your fault, Buffy. Do not fucking apologize to this piece of shit because it is not your fault for not seeing through his blatant manipulation. You know, like this guy has been playing this game for a very long time. We can tell. And Buffy's not the first one to fall for this, but I just hate it. It cut me to my core that she said, I'm sorry. So... Parker says, I really have to go now. And he starts to walk away, but Buffy follows him. And she's like, Parker, wait, I I did this all wrong. And he's like, no, it's cool. We'll hook up later. And he leaves. So here we are again. This is we're getting flashbacks to innocence when Angel uh, purposefully brushed her off after having sex with her. And like, again, we're seeing this show punishing its female heroine for having sex 
But the problem is also that it's making Buffy feel more chaste or more innocent because she slept with him thinking that he had serious feelings for her, right? Because, and why wouldn't she think that? It seemed like he did. Mm. And it, it's just coming off this time around, like the only reason to sleep with someone if you're a woman is because you want to have a true connection with them, that you truly like them. Like, no way this could have just been casual sex. Of course, Buffy felt way too many feelings, and now she's hurt from them. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So this is the second time this is happening to Buffy, right? Where the guy changes after she has sex with him. And I don't understand why the writers did it twice. Like, why they had to do it again. They like punishing Buffy. I know they like punishing Buffy, but I just don't think that it's this common <laughs> for this to happen. Because... If anything, he would continue having sex with her until he ghosted her. Because that definitely happens. And I think guys like this who would consider themselves very sensitive and very suave and, oh, like, I got her with that line, would continue sleeping with her and also sleep with other people on the side. And only later would mm. she realize that he's an asshole who's been sleeping around. Well, but maybe that was Parker's plan. But Buffy kind of approaching him caught him off guard and caused him to kind of recalibrate. Mm. Okay, because I just don't understand why they had to do it again, you know, and I do think what happened with Anya, where Anya slept with Xander because she really likes Xander and she thinks that sleeping with Xander is going to make him like her too, or like her more. But I think that is way more common than for I this mean, to happen to Buffy. It's still a cliche, but it's it's more common have, than this. I have a theory about Parker and Buffy, but I can't say anything for another couple of episodes. Ooh, so okay. Let's put a pin okay. in that. Anyway, that was brutal, and Spike knows it, because Spike was standing there watching it the whole time, and he says, that was pathetic, and punches Buffy in the face. So, like, Parker doesn't hear any of this? Like, that was the fastest exit anybody has ever made. <laughs> he was like, get me out of here. Uh, Buffy's on the ground, Spike's standing over her in the sunlight, and he's like, what a fantastic day. Birds singing, squirrels making lo lots of rotten little squirrels, sun beaming down on a nice, non-fatal way. It's very exciting. Can't wait to see if I freckle. And Buffy grabs the peg from the ground, because she's resourceful as fuck, and they start to fight, and it's a really intricate fight scene it's pretty Although good we we do we do see a lot of stunt doubles in this it's true it's very true i couldn't stop like buffy's looking. stunt double is very obviously like shorter and stockier than her which is saying something considering how short uh sarah michelle geller is like yeah, she's way more buff, uh, buffer, if that's a good word for it. The buffer of the Buffies. <laughs> exactly. So Buffy actually stakes Spike. It's awesome. She stakes him, but he obviously heals right back up. And he says, it tickles in a good way. And he, he shows her the gem of Amara on his hand. And he punches her down to the ground. And he says, it's the official sponsor of my killing you. And he vamps out. So we quickly cut to Oz, Willow, and Giles, who have found the cave. Like, there's no... A a, I think it's really dangerous of them to just walk into the crypt <laughs> when there it would argu arguably have vampires all around it. But also, I like how they got into it and the sinkhole that, that the city is t dealing with, that no one's around. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. They're in there and Harmony's still in there. She's crying on the floor and Willow shines a light on her and Harmony says, being a vampire sucks. And then she vamps out and attacks them, it looks like. Uh, Xander's banging on Buffy's dorm room. And Anya comes up behind him. And my question is, how did Anya know to go to Buffy's dorm room? And why is she there? And Anya says, uh, Xander, you weren't in your musty basement. 
And he's like, have you seen Buffy? And she says, no, but she wanted, she wants to talk about what happened. She's like, you know, when I said I was going to be over you and Xander cuts her off and he says, I don't have time for this. And he runs and leaves her there. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Um, And and again, we are seeing, right? Women cannot have sex with men unless they have... A connection with them, right? A deep like, connection. Mm-hmm. Even though Anya is proposing it's casual sex, we're seeing that she has feelings for him that he does not have. And it's just, I, yeah. I, I hear you on this. It's all three of them, right? Like Spike, Xander, and Parker. All of them blow him off. And all the girls are like emotionally wrecked from it. So Giles is asking Harmony where Spike is and if he has the gem. And they're all surrounding her at this point. And Harmony says, yep, he staked me and he took it. And he tried he tried to take it right off my finger. Like, he wouldn't have just given it to him. I would have given him anything he wanted. He was my platinum baby and I loved him. <laughs> I do love Harmony's terms of endearment. Yeah, my platinum baby. Um, Giles asks where Spike went and Harmony jumps down the hole out of the tunnel. In retrospect, they should have covered the hole. I'm very surprised they let her stand next to it. It's very strange. So Spike and Buffy are still fighting in the sunlight. And it's a really good thing that no one is around or looking out the windows on campus. Like suddenly this campus is deserted. (laughs) And yeah, like they're fighting in front of these buildings. Is there nobody walking through the the corridors or in the classrooms? There is not. There's no one. (laughs) That professor who's doing that pop culture class isn't giving probably one of the world's worst and most boring lectures and the students aren't going you know and yeah and he looking. looks out the window and he's like excuse me you are sucking energy out of every one in this class <laughs> keep it down <laughs> like it's just so silly and then xander shows up right so it's like how did you find buffy like you're the first person to stumble on these people fighting in broad daylight <laughs> well he gets the crap kicked out of him <laughs> Um, violently too Spike throws him against a pole uh, and Spike says to Buffy so you let Parker take a poke eh didn't seem like you knew each other very well what exactly did it take to pry apart the Slayer's dimpled knees and Buffy calls him a pig and again like we talked about this in school hard when we first met Spike misogyny misogyny and also there's a sexual nature about the things that he says to her always and it's weird it's like off-putting to me so he says, did he play the sensitive lad and got you to, and got you to, to seduce him? It's a good trick if the girl's thick enough to buy it. And more violent fighting. Spike says, wonder what you did wrong. Too strong? Did you bruise the boy? Whatever. Guess you're not worth a second go. Come to think of it, seems like someone told me so much. Who was it? Oh yeah, Angel. So... Wrong thing to say. Don't you say that because Buffy, that's what it takes for Buffy to get up and she comes for him hard. She ends up beating him. She <laughs> wrestles the ring off his finger. And he, wait before she does it, he says, take it off me this way, we'll both burn. And Buffy says, really? Let's see. And she just takes it off him. And I love that Buffy doesn't even consider what he says is true. Because Spike, all of his credibility is gone. Because he's such a joke at this point as a villain. <laughs> she doesn't believe him. Pulls it off, and sure enough, it comes off. Nothing happens, except they're in the shade, unfortunately. So Spike just starts, like, screaming and steaming and runs and dives down a manhole that just happens to be open. It's like this giant, like, vent thing. I, it's very odd that I think there. that's where he came up from. I, I'm guessing that's where he came up out of from, is what I think. But yeah, so he takes off, and again, Buffy doesn't pursue. She just lets him go. 
so it's over. We cut to Giles's house and the Scoobies are all staring at the ring on the table. And Willow's like, I like it. And Oz says it's it's small. And Xander says, really worth getting my ribs bashed in. <laughs> oh, Xander, you know they took you to Sunnydale ER and right? that chatty doctor or the helpful doctor was there. Yeah. And or maybe the judgy drugs, doctor. Son? Is this is this how you hurt your ribs? That's the judgy doctor, and he for sure was like, Did you try to help Buffy when you when you know you shouldn't? <laughs> so <laughs> So Giles says it's obviously very dangerous and we're destroying it. And Buffy says, We don't destroy it. And Giles says any vampire that gets their hands on this is going to be essentially unkillable. And Buffy just stares at him and he's like, oh. And Willow and Oz just stare and then Oz says that he has a gig in LA and he can swing by. What a good friend Oz is really. Oz, I want to say a little quick thing about Oz here. I like how they're using him in the last three episodes. Way more than season two, three. Oz is literally the hashtag not all man. Right? Like that that's what Oz's purpose is on this show. He's being a great boyfriend, he's being a supportive friend, he's there to help, he's being a great Scooby, better than anyone else in the Scooby gang right now. Like pff, Oz is the one. So Buffy says thanks, Oz, and Xander says, What's going on? What's in LA? And Willow says, She's giving the ring to Angel. Don't make a fuss. And Giles says, Buffy, are you sure? And she says he should have it. And I do I detect a look of concern on Giles' face when Buffy says this because Let's not forget that he just got rid of Angel. Like the guy who killed his girlfriend, tortured Giles, and was hanging around all year. They finally got rid of him and Buffy was going to move on. And now Buffy wants to give Angel this ring that's going to essentially make him a normal person where he can like well, come out into the sunlight. Stronger than a normal person, you know? And yeah. what if he loses his soul again? Then Angelus is unstoppable. Like, I think Giles has legitimate concerns here. Yeah, it's a huge concern. Um, However, Buffy is absolutely correct, and our hero, Angel, should be gifted this ring. Also, I think this is the first time that we've heard, because you and I have said it already, because we're a spoiler-filled podcast, but um, we didn't know that Angel was in L.A., I think, until today. Yeah. So I hope he's making it as an influencer. I hope he's out there selling charcuterie boards and drawing people. Make I mean, he's a, a little early for Instagram, so... <laughs> he invented it. I really hope he's, like, writing letters back and forth with Joyce. Aww. I fucking you know, love that. You know, like, yeah. I hope that he and Joyce are, like, you know, Joyce is telling him how Buffy's doing, and, yeah. you know, he's sending Joyce art tips, right? Aww. He's, like, he's hooking her up with the LA scene. Yeah, for her Hobby Lobby business. Like, she's probably telling him that, like, oh, Buffy killed my, my drug dealer in the freshman <laughs> that's donor vamp. And I can't get a fucking Chinese food delivered without them dying. <laughs> we need more joys in this show. Anyway, okay. Well, a uh, little mention of Angel there, my my ex Angel. So we're we're back on campus. Buffy and Willow are walking and talking, and Buffy is wondering if this always happens. Sleep with a guy and he goes all evil. And God, I'm just a, a, I'm such a fool. And Willow says, maybe you made a mistake, and that's okay. Buffy says, Parker says, it's okay to make mistakes. And it was sweet. And I want to stop you right there, Willow. I just, I don't think that was the right thing to say because it wasn't a mistake for Buffy to sleep with Parker, okay? Oh. She slept with someone she really liked. He was an asshole. His mistake is being a fucking douchebag and letting somebody like Buffy go and being a fucking misogynistic, gross, creepy pig. That's on oh. Parker. That's not on Buffy. So Willow says... Uh, no, it wasn't sweet. He was saying that so you would take a chance and sleep with him. He's a poophead. <laughs> I love Willow. I know. I love the, the casual poophead 
throw the technical term. <laughs> I know here I'm like douchebag asshole pig and poophead would have covered that whole thing perfectly. So Buffy says, "You're right. He's manipulative and shallow. And why doesn't he want me?" Am I repulsive? If there was something repulsive about me, you'd tell me, right? And Willow says, I'm your friend. I would call you repulsive in a second. And Buffy says, maybe Parker and I could still work out. (laughs) Honey, no. Um, Buffy says, do you think we could still work it out? And Willow says, I think you're missing something about the whole poop head principle. (laughs) So, yeah, like, I, I think it's so interesting here. You know, we see... Spike being openly abusive, right? Like it is so obvious. He is physically and emotionally abusing Harmony. And then we have Parker and Buffy. And I do think that there are people out there, hopefully not among our listeners, but I think there are people out there who would excuse Parker's behavior. You know, they'd say he's just a young guy. He's just having fun, right? Buffy misunderstood. You know, he he didn't lead her on or anything. He just wanted to have casual sex with her. What's wrong with that? But, you know, even though Parker is not openly abusing Buffy, he's not hurting her in a physical sense. And, you know, his manipulation of her was lighter than the way Spike manipulated Harmony. It is still toxic and it is still a part of rape culture, right? He did not rape Buffy, but he is using toxic and unhealthy dynamics in their relationship to manipulate her feelings and make her question herself and doubt herself. And and this is something that unfortunately, right, many people, especially women, especially young women, they have to put up with it. And the rape culture element of our society teaches us that it's okay. It teaches us that we're supposed to accept the poop heads because that's as good as it gets. And that to me... I don't want to say it's worse than Spike's abusiveness because it's it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dismiss Spike's abusiveness, but it is just as harmful to the psyches of young women because that is how you then end up in an abusive relationship like Spike's down the line. Well, I think that what Parker did was disgusting because yeah. if you want to find a girl to hook up with you and leave it at that and have it be casual. There are ways to do that, Parker. You were at a raging party where you could have met any girl. You're a cute guy. I'm sure you could have met another girl who would have slept with you, no problem, and then left it at that. But you went out of your way to target Buffy. You spent a week hanging out with her incessantly, she said, getting to know her, figuring out her weaknesses so that you could plop this whole take a chance and like you know live for now bullshit on her. Like that's manipulation and it's it's disturbing that it worked for you and it's disturbing that you're going to continue to do it to other innocent girls because again there are girls out there who want to have casual sex and are down for that experience but Buffy Mm -hmm. clearly was looking for a connection with you and you knew that and I think that's what Mm -hmm. makes it so fucking toxic and that's why I hate him so much it just sucks that it happened again to Buffy right that she can she couldn't catch a break this time around but who knows maybe maybe something better is coming for her down the road i don't know but like i don't like that they did this to her again she leaves willow um standing like willow's like okay well well she's like i'm gonna go for a walk and leaves willow there and she's walking sadly by herself and who else is walking really close to her anya and who else is walking really close to them 
Harmony! And all three girls are making like this little triangle on campus as they walk around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this kind of ruined it for me. Like I get that we're, the whole point is bringing this all back because the three girls were fucked over by three guys, right? And that's just a t- tale as little as time, I guess. But Buffy doesn't see Harmony. <laughs> He, like she needs her magic cramps back because Harmony was literally five paces away from her walking across campus for no reason. So the end. <laughs> Who is your <sighs> hero? Who is your hero? That's a good question. Um, you know, part of me wants to say all the women in this show. <laughs> <laughs> women. <sighs> I'm giving it to Willow. Okay, I see. Willow that. was a supportive friend. She's very supportive, yeah. Yeah. She listened. She gave pretty decent advice. Um, but more importantly, I think she was just there in encouraging Buffy, but being there for her when it didn't work out. Yeah, I'll go with that. Thank you. I'll just piggyback off you. I, this is it just this is just an interesting episode because although we have Spike as the central antagonist, there's not a ton of direct confrontation in this episode, you know? It, mm-hmm. it, this is a talky drawn out episode not in a bad way i really liked this episode but it's quite different from some of the other episodes we've dealt with where it's like uh scene after scene of intense you know confrontation yeah Um, i i didn't enjoy this episode as much as i did living conditions or or even the freshman i know i know but you no you're wrong you're just that no i didn't and it's because um again like it's great to see spike back but he was a fucking asshole in this episode, and I didn't like it. it. Didn't sit well with me what he was doing. And then Harmony is a delight, right, to see her back. But overall, all of the misery of having sex and you're fucked over, and none of these women can be happy. It just left me on a down note, and that's that's why I didn't enjoy it as much. Okay, I re- I respect you know your decision, your opinion, and your wrongness. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's get to our hot stakes. We have the first one from M and they wrote in to talk about Anya and Xander and they say, so I watched Buffy for the first time when I was a kid and then rewatched as a teenager and around 20-ish years old and always loved Anya and as a kid thought I liked Xander up until what something he does, that's a spoiler. So I told my partner that Anya's the best and then when we got to where Anya and Xander first have sex and my partner said, why are your two favorite characters who are Faith and Anya? both having non-consexual sex with Xander. And I was a bit shook, as I never thought about that much when I was younger. I think it was more of a trope in the 90s and early 2000s. I think maybe that shaped my view on things like that, and possibly other people's too, as my response was, oh yeah, this is fine. But when this situation pretty much literally happened to me, I look back on it and go, oh yeah, I didn't have much choice, so that wasn't good. But it pulls back into the, this is a man's dream thing, when actually it's not okay. Mm, interesting. This is very interesting. I don't think I agree. I think Xander consented to sex with Faith and Anya. I think he consented. I, I mean, we've already discussed Faith and Xander. I'm not going to reopen that chapter. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you in this case that Xander and Anya were consensual. But I do think M and, and their partner ha- do have a valid point here in that both of Xander's sexual experiences so far have been with women who have pursued him. He has not pursued them. It wasn't really even on his radar. They've kind of taken him by surprise. And even if it's consensual, there's an, an uncomfortable aspect to the way that 
they are using Xander. You know, there, it's almost this reversal of like he is the sex object and they are the sex subject. But it's weird because it's not like in a female empowerment kind of way. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what what I am picking up from what M is putting down is that we all know that Xander is Joss Whedon's self-insert character. So I'm not surprised that these powerful, beautiful women are throwing themselves at him. And it's acting like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm just a little nerd. What do I know? Uh, I think that's what the dynamic I pick up from Anya and Xander this time around is that um, really good looking girl wants him. We don't understand why. She says he's nicely shaped, I guess. But um, yeah, I just see it more as like what you're saying here, Em. This is a man's dream. This is Joss Whedon's dream. He's living it through Xander, I guess. Our next hot stake is from Liz. And this is about Anya and Xander as well, but uh, more specifically about what happened between them in graduation day. Liz says, when Steph was talking about how suave Xander seemed with Anya, and it's probably because he doesn't respect her, um, and Liz is paraphrasing you, Steph. Um, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I love being um, paraphrased. But she says, "I, I don't think he intentionally feels that way. I think he acts like this because Xander never pursued Anya. So he was nervous about being honest with her. And I think he really feels this is the end and has no bleeps left to give about what anyone thinks he should do. I felt he was more commiserating with her when he said, welcome to the world of romance. That's fair. Yeah, I I think, you know, and I wanted to share this hot stake in this episode, right? Because we Mm -hmm. have Anya coming back. We have Xander and Anya together in this episode. And it's like, that's this direct line from graduation day where we discussed this, like Xander was a little harsh with Anya, right? He kind of mm-hmm. like dismissed her because of her attitude and how he, he was staying and, and being loyal to his friends. So I, I appreciate, you know, Liz writing with this perspective of like, here is maybe like a different way of looking at why Xander was acting the way he did. And it works with what M was saying and with what we were kind of seeing in this episode, which is, Xander just doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) Well, dare I say it, dare I say there was a little bit of growth from Xander from um, that conversation with Anya to the one he had in this episode, where he actually says, you used to be an ex-demon. That's part of the reason why he's like, you know, we're not in a relationship. Um, But he says, that's more my issue than anything. So it feels like, uh, like when I said that about Xander in the last episode, it's because I'm, I feel like the fact that she used to be a demon is actually a big reason why he doesn't feel like he's going to be attracted to her Warner as much as he would Cordelia or Buffy. Mm, interesting. But in this one, he's admitting that that's actually on him because Anya is human now. So as much as, um, you know, we love the Xander slander around here, I'll never say that I don't actually enjoy watching this development between Anya and Xander. I think it is a really good choice in bringing Anya into the show, but also let's see what she does with Xander's continued growth, right? He's, he's in this whole new phase Will of life. Will she help him remember to put fabric softener in the washing machine each time? <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Find out more. <laughs> um, thanks everyone for your hot steaks. And I really want to share the, you, our listeners, have me rolling on the ground laughing because uh we po- <laughs> as we all know we met riley finn in the freshman and before we dropped the episode which came out today 
we we posted our Riley Finn bio, as we always do with the new major characters in the series. And <laughs> the comments that people were leaving on this post, <laughs> I was dying. I'm going to read a couple of them because they made me laugh. So um, Ella Sands says, meet Riley. Do we have to? <laughs> And then Samsung 0103 says, I'd rather say bye, Riley. Uh, Mick underscore Fietusa says, those books should have just knocked him out and left it at that. <laughs> Snoozan93 wrote, hello, Wonderbread. <laughs> uh, we've got a Connor.Allardice just wrote, boo. <laughs> And then I also, a lot of people had just a lot of love for the fact that we're going into season four and they're excited for the college years. Despite the fact that Riley sucks, they say, uh, they're more, we're just, everyone's really excited to be here. I think it's a really fresh season, lots of great episodes. So thanks everybody for being so engaged. You keep us laughing. You keep us alive. Thanks so much. And thank you, especially to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, including our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma. Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, and Destiny. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week!